We're at the point in our morning where I get to introduce the guest speaker. I saw this man on Friday night at the gala in a completely different role than I've ever seen him before. And uh, he was twinkle toes for sure as he danced with people impromptu with music he didn't know was coming up. And uh, he really was the belle of the ball. He is our own inspired and inspiring leader, dancer extraordinaire, our very own Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. I shared at the first service. Every time I close my eyes this morning in meditation, all I see is this lavender shirt trying to go between my legs. So you've probably seen the pictures of it. Paul's down the hall. You know, Anyway, it's a long story. If you weren't there, you'll hear about it for years to come, I'm sure. But Anyway, I'd like to invite you all to sing a song with me if you'd uh, so choose. And if you'd like to stand and do that, that would be wonderful. And if you'd like to stay seated, please feel free to do that as well. In this very room, there's quite enough love. For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so I know that as we sing, as we breathe, as we stand and sit here together, that there truly is one, one life, God's life. That life is perfect. That life is perfect, unconditional love, peace, joy, creativity, and abundance. I claim that life. I feel that life. I know that that is all that I am all that we are and all that life is. And so from that place of clarity, of absolute confident knowing that all is well, I claim great love. I claim power. The empowered place of stepping into my own brilliance, to following that intuitive spark within that says yes to life and yes to all that each of us can be. With deep gratitude for springtime, for music, for this message of transformation, this teaching, I release my word to the Lord. I invite you to claim it all with me as together we say, and, and so, so it is. is. Thank you, Reverend Catherine. Beautiful. 
Last weekend, our teens uh, conducted their winter camp, and I, uh, we've invited the teens to come and share a bit of their insight with us this morning to help us launch into our discussion today. So, teens, would you join me on the platform, please? Oh, my gosh. Adam got your hair cut. I did. I almost didn't recognize you. <laughs> hey there. Uh, for any of you who can't recognize me, I'm still Adam. <laughs> used to have long hair. Now I don't. Uh, I'm one of the teens, and uh, this year I was fortunate enough to be elected co-director of the winter camp. That means I uh, had to go down to California and plan out some workshops, and then back up in cold Canada I had to lead the camp, or help lead the camp with my uh, compatriot Megan, who was at the earlier service. And this year was a lot of fun for me because I got to learn how Exciting it can be to uh, lead my peers in their spiritual journeys. I'm Saskia, and I'm so happy to be co-director for next year along with Raydell. Each year I go to camp, and I learn so much about myself and others. Winter camp is an amazing opportunity to not only learn, but to have fun. One of my favorite things from this camp was human foosball. We were able to work as a team and have so much fun. We learned about the Declaration of Principles and how to put them in our own words. One of them is, we believe in God, the living spirit almighty one, indestructible, absolute, and self-existent cause. I'm Jesse, and the way that we put that principle was, we believe in God, one energy. Another one is, we believe in the incarnation of the Spirit in humankind and, and that all people are incarnations of the one Spirit. Hi, my name is Rydell, and the way that we re- rewrote that is that everyone is a unique expression of God. My favorite part about winter camp this year, as it was my first winter camp, was the connection that everyone made with each other and how open and caring everyone was. So, some of you might be wondering what this strange extra blue piece of paper in your programs were. This is our life codes that we wrote this winter camp. So, you guys can take a look over that a little bit later. So, I am also really excited to be a co-director next year. It is really such an honor and... Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. My favorite part about camp was that I got to talk about the science of mind with other teens who understand what I'm talking about, because I can take this teaching back to school, and I tell people about it, and they have no clue what I'm talking about most of the time. So it's really great to have people and friends who I can talk about this with and understand it. And uh, on behalf of the entire teen group, uh, these three, and the rest who aren't here today, and two in the audience. I'd just like to say how gracious we are uh, for all your support. Uh, We do get a little bit of the donations on every Teen Sunday, and it really wouldn't be possible to go out and have these growing spiritual journeys without all that help. So, thank you very much. Thank you, teens. Awesome. And I want to also acknowledge Reverend Catherine Cardinal and her, her great work and consistency with our team. Reverend Catherine, would you stand up so we can send a little love your way? All right. 
And I know that Reverend Catherine has to leave early today, so if you see her running out, it's... Don't, I don't want you to connect that with anything I say. <laughs> but you can if you want. There she goes. See, I haven't even started talking yet, and she's already leaving, so... I'm not taking it personally. All right, beautiful. Anyway, we, today's uh, sharing is, is entitled uh, True Value. And it's inspired by this wonderful book that... Um, is it, was this something I said? I just, I know him. I couldn't resist. <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, called The Go-Givers. And The Go-Givers is a story of Joe. And Joe is, uh, is uh, as he begins out, he was at the, at the consciousness of looking for leverage and clout in his business. So it's all about doing business and it's about the, the transformation that goes on for him in consciousness as he all of a sudden has different tools that show up in his life. And as our teens shared so beautifully, if you read the blue sheet, take it home, what their opportunity is when they come together in that consciousness of support based on what we teach, um, they start to find the words and the faith and the belief and the action that helps transform their experience. So it's a very practical teaching. What we have to offer is, uh, is very much uh, common sense in many ways around how we participate in the world with ourselves and with spirit and with one another. So Joe's um, parable in this story of the go-givers is moving from the consciousness of cloud and leverage into a bigger idea of possibility. And it's counterintuitive because what he's given are these laws, and I'm going to touch on three of the laws today. But the laws really are about opening up oneself and and sharing and, and being more available in life to what is trying to happen. The law, and I looked up law on Webster's Dictionary, a law is a system of rules and guidelines usually enforced by a set of institutions. It is a system of rules and guidelines usually enforced by an institution. Dr. Ernest Holmes, when he wrote his classic book, The Science of Mind, speaks frequently about the law. And we stand, this tradition stands on two aspects, the love and the law. And the love is the passion and the, 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 the call that we feel in our lives to experience something fully or differently or to, to have a new experience in our lives, whatever it may be. We, that is through the conscious mind that we, we feel that. And we can, and we can change the, the, the nature of consciousness through the conscious mind. But because the law, as Holmes referred to it, can only do one thing, and that is say Yes. And so that's why it's important for us to understand the principle of of what we teach here, this metaphysical teaching beyond the physical, is what metaphysics means, beyond physical. And so in Joe's story, and what I I think is important to be reminded of, is that life, life with a capital L, which is another name for spirit or God, does not respond to need. Life never responds to need. And that's why we see so many people on on the planet in great need, but not changing the circumstances of their situation. And part of the blessing that I feel in being part of this teaching and having been exposed to it over the years is that I understand that life really doesn't, has never responded to my need. What it has responded to is what I deserve. And what I deserve is based on the seeds that I have planted. So if I, if I plant seeds for corn in my garden. And then I stand back and I water and I cultivate it. And in my mind's eye, I'm, I'm anticipating wheat. 
I would be put into a category that some may call delusional, but let's just, for the sake of being more um, loving, say naive. But the seeds that we plant create what we deserve. And that's, that's our teaching in a nutshell. And so that's why it's so important to, to look at our, the quality of our thinking, the quality of our being, and the quality of our action, because that is what plants the seeds that creates deserve. If we look out in the, in the world, and see, the other, the other piece of this, I think, is that, and so one of the ways to look at the world and look at what's happening is to realize the world is not horrible or horrific or bad or wrong. It's fascinating. Isn't life fascinating? I mean, when the black widow spider consummates a relationship with her partner, she then eats him. Isn't that fascinating? Some would say that's horrible. I think it's fascinating. Some of you guys have told me stories about some of your past uh, relationships. I think it's fascinating. When we run into people in the world that lie to us, has anyone ever been told a lie? What is our response? What do you say? You go home. I think most of us go home and say, they shouldn't lie. That person shouldn't lie. That person's a liar. But what we don't understand is that's their job. They've signed up for that. So rather than judge it and say, that person's horrible, what we realize is they're they're, they're, they're the ones fulfilling the mandate for lies on the planet. God bless them. Somebody stepped up to do that. If they weren't lying, we wouldn't be able to call them liars. Then what would we call them? Isn't that fascinating? It's fascinating. Someone cuts us off on the freeway. We're going along and someone cuts us off. And I've, I've had this happen. Anybody else here ever had that happen? Sometimes people pull up next to me and they're, they're, they're giving me hand signals as if trying to get my attention. And I know that I've done something wrong that I'm not even aware of, but I must be punished. And I'd love to pull over and say, what did I do? Tell me what I did wrong. I mean, these traffic circles, when I first came to Canada, the traffic <laughs> Inside lane, outside lane, and then you get, you get all the way around. And, my, and, and our boys would be with us. And, and then they'd be screaming and hollering. I'd say, what? What are the rules? I don't know. But it's fascinating. We weren't, there, we weren't there to drive badly or poorly. I just, after 10 or 15 times around the loop, I was just getting dizzy. I didn't know what to do anymore. So some people didn't like that because they thought I had more information than I had. I was ignorant. But it's fascinating. So if we take, just a simple example, if we take our judgment and criticism of one another and, and, and say, this is fascinating... It just changes the whole complexion energetically, does it not? And we realize there are people that need to be out there cutting us off in traffic. That's their jobs. And if they weren't doing it, we'd probably have to be doing it. In fact, I've done it a few times. Myself. But it's interesting how those subtle little changes can, can change everything for us. Because then it frees our energy up to do more interesting things. One of the things that I know about generosity, one of the things I know about, about giving, and the first law in this book is, and I talked about it last week, your true worth is determined by how much you give in value than you take in payment. How much do you give in value than take in payment? But see, this is counterintuitive. I'm not going to give until you give me something. 
As soon as you show up and show me something, I will give. And see, the paradox is, is that as we start to open up and give more, life just opens up for us. I was telling Laura, we were having the conversation yesterday, and I said, you know, one of the things I know about what we're doing and the ministry that we have created and the life that we've created, we never would have come to Edmonton without the practice of tithing. Now, people, there's a lot of discussion around tithing. If you take the Prosperity Plus class, the whole thing is based on tithing. And what tithing does is it cracks us open in a way that's just not possible in any other way. But I've watched myself in my own practice with it and growing into it. And tithing, giving back 10% of your, your good to your source of spiritual inspiration. And there's a lot of discussion many times about tithing as well. I'd like to give to a charity. Give to a charity, but that's not tithing. We, Laura and I support other, other causes in the world. But we do that above and beyond our tithe. And I go through this all the time with people. And it's not bad and wrong. I want to give 10% back to spirit because my life is God's life. The totality of my life is God's life. And 10% is a bargain. And so what I'm telling you this is what it did for us and what it continues to do for us is to ground us in the faith and the knowing that there is enough, that we are fully supplied, there's always enough. And we never would have stepped out of our comfort zone if we had not built that faith to say, let's give up everything we know and step into the unknown. One of the ways that I feel so blessed to be able to, to, to be with you on a Sunday and have this discussion with you, this teaching, this planting seeds of deserving has continued to and has in the past and I fully expect to in the future continue to transform my life on this experience in a way that is not possible on my own. See, I need spirit in my life in a way so that my life is inspired. And a lot of that inspiration, I don't even know what it's going to be. But if I decide that I'm going to keep all my ducks in a row, this is mine and this is mine to keep, I limit my opportunities. And so my act of giving, see, when I put together a talk, I tell her I have all these great ideas. And then I think, well, I should save that for the next talk. And sometimes I do that because it doesn't apply. I've got a a wonderful story that I'm not going to use today, but I'll probably use it in the next couple weeks. But if I hold back, what I'm doing is I'm shutting down the flow. All of a sudden, I'm saying there's not enough information. I always get done with one of these talks. I've told them everything I know. 15 minutes after I've given a talk, I can't remember any of it, but I've given you everything I know. And then I feel like, what do I, I got nothing else to say. And then usually about Saturday morning, an idea shows up. Because I'm sitting there all week going, I'm all done. So I'm going to go up, this will be it. I'm going to go in and say, folks, I'm all done. I'm empty. Tank's empty. I've got to go do something else. But thank you so much for showing up. And then all of a sudden, the download starts. It's like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah, there's a great idea. Wow, there's a... I was thinking of a Bible passage. I came into my office this morning. I picked up a book I haven't touched in months. And it was open to the Bible passage. And I just thought, isn't this interesting how, how spirit works in your life? But without the act of tithing consistently, and not just tithing for a 10-week program, and it's a wonderful way to step into it and we stretch ourselves, because I was in and out of that stuff. But it becomes a way of life because my life is spirit's life. And I want all of God to flow through me as fully and as beautifully and as powerfully as possible. And I know that every time I shrink back out of fear, because there's not enough, because we get up in the morning and, and the first thing I want to do is I want to have something to eat. Well, if it's been a cold night, I want to put something warm on to get around the house. But I want to get something to eat. And then I figure out what I'm going to wear and how I'm going to travel. Those basic things, essentials. We all think that way. And that's what Maslow said. We've got to find food. We've got to find shelter. We've got to have something warm to wear. And what, what Jesus said when he came along was he turned Maslow's hierarchy of needs 
upside down. He inverted it. And he said, seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom. I was reading the Beatitudes this morning. All the Beatitudes are are talking about qualities of the human experience. It's from the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. But the Beatitudes talked about ways of being. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor. And every one of them leads them to the kingdom. And what I think he was doing at that time was Jesus was saying, despite what your conditions are, despite, especially where your conditions are, seek ye first the kingdom. Every one of the Beatitudes will find the kingdom of heaven, which is a state of consciousness. It is a state of grace. And then our lives are transformed. He was teaching metaphysics. He was saying, choose. You can think. You can choose. And see, I don't want to play, I don't want to play half measures with you. I love this teaching. I love the opportunity to be with you. This is, my, this is my gift zone. This is my passion. Not just to teach it, but I have to have had the full experience of it. The changes and shifts in my life. So I'm telling you, when you hold back because there's not enough, you're sending the message, you are planting the seeds of deserve in your life to say there's not enough, and I've got to protect myself. And it takes faith. But that's the way the law works. We restrict our flow. We probably have, I thought about it the other day, we did this beautiful, beautiful gala. You'll see pictures, and those of you who were there, thank you. It was a wonderful night. And we had done it because we wanted to do some fundraising. And I realized, I told Laura, I said, you know, the money we raise with the amount of people that come every Sunday, if every person that came every Sunday, and you're not here every week, and we love that. I love this teaching. I love it that you can go away and have fun and go on a trip. Renee came back today. He's been traveling the world the whole year. He said, no, I've been everywhere. He said, I'm back. And I said, well, we're so glad to, glad to have you back. You've got to be doing that, you guys. If you're coming in here because you've got to hear me so your life will work, we need to talk. We're here to get you launched. We really are. We're not here to hold you back. We want to say, man, look. Look at that guy go. Look at that girl go. You go, darling. We love you. I love what we do. But you know what? If everybody gave about 85 cents a week more that shows up, we'd raise all that money we raised on Friday night. I'd love the party. I'd love to have the party again. But that's all it would take. What would it take for each one of us to do 85 cents more each week? And some of you can't do 85 cents, and I get that. And you belong here, and we love you. If you're here for the first time, don't give anything this week. Check it out. We're not here to, to, to shake you upside down, see what you got in your pockets. We had those ushers doing that for a while, and people just kept leaving. We couldn't figure it out. We're here to impart life's wisdom in a way that's powerful and wonderful and meaningful for you. And I'm just telling you that if I had not cracked open and gotten serious about tithing, and especially for me, the challenge of just stepping up in front of people and saying, you know, you guys need to give more. And to say that and not be doing it myself, I, you can't, I, I couldn't do that. So especially when I got into ministry in a formal way. I was, you know, I just knew that. But without that, we wouldn't be here. This is, this is too scary. You know, we came here and I told Laura, I said, this looks like a great opportunity and it's, it's only cold a couple months every year. <laughs> I said a couple, because you never know. A couple could be three or four, five or six, seven or eight. <laughs> this has been, let's just tell the truth. This has been a long winter, has it not? Yes. Yes, says Adam. Adam was asleep. He woke up for that. He's going back to sleep. Let's be quiet so Adam can get sleep. Appreciate you being here, Adam. He's just catching up right now with us. The, the time change from last Sunday. I know. So in the Go-Givers, Joe says, 
Your true worth is determined, or you discover your true, true worth is determined by how much you give in value rather than you take in payment. All things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know that they like and they trust. It's the first law. So if people like you and trust you, they're probably going to do business with you. But if you're lying, you better have a lot of new clients coming through that door because they may not be back. All the great, and this is once again from the go-givers, all the great fortunes in the world have been created by men and women who had a greater passion for what they were giving than for what they were getting. Yes. I love it when people squeal. They're so happy. Thank you. So the test, so, and now Joe has been told you've got to test each one of these. So he goes back to his office, and he's trying to close this deal because he's looking for leverage, and he's looking for clout. And he goes back, and he tries to close the deal, and his customer finally calls him back, says, Joe, I'm going to go with somebody else. And Joe's heartbroken, but he realizes he made a promise to his mentor he would test, test the law. And so he decides what he's going to do, which is totally counterintuitive, and he feels terrible doing it. He reaches down and pulls up a business card of one, his, one of his competitors who we know is better situated with resources and talent and networks to supply and take care of this vendor. And he refers the guy. And he hangs up the phone, he puts the card back, and he just feels terrible. Because what he's doing is an example of how horrible we can feel when all of a sudden the mindset that we're in, the consciousness we're in, we decide to take the action that is counterintuitive to what we know is, is we're in our survival mode. Why would I refer somebody? I need the business. See, Joe needs the business. And what the, the, the law is doing, what these laws he's been given do, is they move him into a new level of deserving. See, what, what he's doing, he's being forced to say, you know what, there is enough. And I can be generous because I know intellectually this is the appropriate thing for me to do. Because there's enough for everybody, myself included. But you just see how the consciousness starts to crack and it's very uncomfortable. New behavior is uncomfortable. You start saying, man, I don't want to be dragging anybody around in my consciousness anymore. The liars and the people cut me off in traffic. Or whatever's happened to us. I want to just clear that consciousness so that I can stand in divine inspiration and be in that conversation. So I know which door to walk through. So I know which decision to make. That's where I want to live. You want 10% of a life that is 100% yours? You got it. You got it. I don't want anyone to ever come up to me and say, you know what, we can't do this because there's not enough. Because there is enough. We're here to prove this in our lives. So that we can be a gift to everyone. So wherever there's need, wherever we show up, or wherever we're called to, resources aren't keeping us from doing that. I hope you get, most of you come to our AGM today. What a great year. What a wonderful year. And, it, and, and, and you know, my, my role here, I, I, I know the part of my role is to, to, to create the demand and then supply it. And I'm passionate about what we do. And I want everyone that can, within within communications distance to have this thing. And not just for the literate elite, those of us that can read and write. Part of my passion, what I'm thinking about, is how do you get this message out in the world to people that can't read and write, don't have that gift in their, in their lives? So life responds to deserve, not to need. Life does not... <clears throat> if you need to reap, people come up and say, no, I need to reap. Well, then you need to sow. No, 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 I need to reap. I need it right now. I need it right now. No, well, you need to sow. You see, look in nature. Look in nature. You've got to plant the seed. You've got to cultivate the crop. You've got to take care of it. 
You, if you do an affirmative prayer and then all of a sudden through your negativity and doubt and worry you go back out, you might as well just get on top of the crop and just stomp it down. And stomp it down. And pretty soon the ground is so, is so tight, nothing can come through. And that's what we can do in our consciousness because we go into fear. And we go into doubt and we go into worry. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. There's just a more interesting opportunity for all of us. So if fear is your primary, as soon as life starts to spin out and you start to go into the fear and the darkness, that's a beautiful thing to work with right now. And stop it. Because it's really easy to do that. And if you have people around you supporting you in doing that, you may not want to share your story with them for a while. Because you know the reinforcements you're going to get. Yeah, you should be worried. If I were you, I'd really worry. Yeah, you're in trouble. And there's people out there that'll do that for you. If you're, if you're lacking that in your life, let me know. I've got a whole list in my office there I can, I can refer you. So we're here to teach one another how to deserve. And our needs and our divine discontent can bring us to that. Now, law number two, your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. And in this story, what has happened is the second chapter or third chapter in, the next law, Joe was guided to this woman that had this amazing opportunity to create educational games for children. And she loved it, and she was a school teacher, and she was influencing 25, 30 students every year in a beautiful way. And she realized, you know what, I want to share this with more people. And so all of a sudden, so what she did, she, she decided that, you know, I want to work with people that, that, that know me, that like me, and trust me. And so she started to affirm, I'm going to bring into my experience people that, that can collaborate with, that I'm going to like, that they're going to like, and that we trust one another. Because we want to make a difference in the world with this beautiful gift we have. And one of the things, that the learning for her was, she said, I used to, and her name was Nicole, Nicole Martin. And she said, Nicole said, I used to believe that you could, there were two kinds of people, people that did good and people that were rich. But they weren't one and the same. If you did good, you could never be rich. And she said, I had to make up a new story because I realized that story didn't work for what we were doing. So she's attracted into her life people that she knew her, liked her and trusted her, bless you. And they put together a company. And one of the people she attracted was a software engineer. Who, who was able to put the programs into a, into a format that could be conveyed on the Internet. And another one was a marketer. So she brought the right team together, and she planted the seeds. And as the story unfolds for Joe in this next one, it's how many people your income will be determined by how many people that you touch and influence in a powerful way. You serve and how well you serve them. And so rather than a few, a few dozen children, it was thousands and thousands of children. And the business was making $200 million a year, doing good. And prospering. It's very interesting. So if, you're, if one of the ideas that you have is that you have to be poor in order to be good, you may want to make up a new story. You've been given the opportunity to do that, as have I. Your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. And I look at the opportunities that are showing up for us with our podcast and some other opportunities to be out. We're not going to do the Windspear this year. We're going to put it off to 2012. And I know that... How many of you were there last year at the Windspear for the event? Wonderful event. Great event. But we looked at the budget this year. We realized, you know what? We need to plant. We need to plant the seeds right now that allow us to deserve. And we did not feel it was responsible to move forward based on the, 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 the opportunities we had in this last year. But we're going to do Friday night at City Hall. We're going to do Good Friday at City Hall, and it'll be a wonderful event. And, and, and some of the genius that resides in this community came up with this idea, and it's very affordable, and it's going to be a wonderful event, and, and the city's going to talk it up us a bit, because we want to be out in the world. We want to, we want to celebrate these principles, and we want to share them, 
as generously as possible. So, your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. Martin Luther King said, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. So Nicole put her success team together. And they succeeded. And she put down the old stories that she had. As she said, being broke and being rich are both decisions. What you focus on is what you get. Is this not basic metaphysics? So the test for Joe, because he had to test all these principles, he went back and he wanted to serve many. And the only thing he could figure out was he served coffee to everyone on the seventh floor where he worked. He went around and he made enough coffee and he served everybody coffee. Because he had to test and take action with each one of these principles. And so in this, he was able to serve many. The third law, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. See, as they say in the book, 50-50 doesn't work. It's 100%. It's supporting one another 100%. And they talk about this insurance salesman, Sam. He was struggling because he said, my mindset was I was giving so I could get rather than I would, from the perspective of what can I give. And he began to develop from that a network, a network of people who knew him, liked him, and trusted him. The network becomes your army of personal walking ambassadors. Do you ever notice that? Our best advertising is you guys. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Bring in your friends. You've got to go see this community of people. It's word of mouth. It's our best advertising. But it's, you become the personal walking ambassadors because your life has changed. Your life has shifted. Your life's improving. We see it over and over and over again. And what happens from that third law, you influence determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first, we, have, we watch out for one another. We watch out for the other guy. We watch out for, the, our, for your interests. We watch each other's back. That's our circle of, that's our network of influence. That's because we're in high relationship and there's a, a level of trust and respect and honoring there. It's called, I love this, uh, Sam, the insurance salesman said, it becomes enlightened self-interest. Enlightened self-interest. There's no private good. There's been a lot of discussion and I know a lot of interest, many things going on in the world. You know, there's war in Libya. There's... Um, a tremendous amount of, of uh, uncertainty going on in Japan. And on the field web this, this week for, for uh, Religious Science or International Centers for Spiritual Living, there was a discussion about people feeling sad. The ministers were feeling sad. And it's, and it's very easy to feel sad for the things that are going on in the world. I feel sad at times about it as well. I want the best for everybody. I have, I lived through, Laura and I lived through the Northridge earthquake in 1994, and it was, it was was like no other experience I've ever had in my life. And one of the things you don't remember, or don't know if you haven't been through one, is that the the earthquake comes, and then about every 15, 10, 15 minutes, you have an aftershock, which is just slightly below the magnitude of the first shock. And this goes on not for a day or two, it goes on for months. And so, to read the stories of compassion and outreach and things that are happening for these people, a beautiful letter that was on the internet on our field web, one woman wrote about how every morning when she, she would wake up, there'd be water and food at her front door. Didn't know where it came from. But people walking around in that community and caring for one another. Just because that's the thing to do. Because we are hardwired for, to give. 
We're hardwired to take care of one another at the end of the day. And so we have the human experience. Even our minister's talking about it. And so someone sent this out. It's a, it's a prayer by Dr. Ernest Holmes. It's actually a statement by him. It's four paragraphs. I made copies. They're on green paper. They're on the back table. On the way out, if you feel guided to take one with you, please take one as my gift. But I want to leave you with this today. Because I think this is, this is a way, one, an example of what we stand for and how we continue to plant the seeds of deserve. A bigger idea. A fuller idea. So the first paragraph, no matter how seemingly impossible any situation may be, and this, this situation, many situations seem impossible, or how difficult the appearance of any problem may appear, you must never become discouraged. You must continue to do your work knowing full well that you are dealing with the invisible divine presence and principle, the great reality back of everything. Our lives are spirit's lives. One life, God's life. This is exactly what we declare when we say that. And we forget it. And it's okay. That's why we practice. Second paragraph. It would be impossible for you to do this unless you are firmly convinced that mind is the only creative agency in the universe and that you have direct and conscious access to its creativity. And moreover, you must be conscious that through right thought and true statements, you are making constructive use of the law of mind. So are we making constructive use of the law of mind? Are we planting the seeds of possibility? Are we stretching ourselves in consciousness and understanding my old way of being used to be fear, worry, and doubt? And now it's love, joy, and expectancy because I know who I am and whose I am despite what it looks like. Third paragraph, humanity's thought is the activity of mind. For mind without thought or directed consciousness would have no real existence. Therefore, there can be no existence apart from consciousness, or if there be any existence apart from consciousness, then there is no one, no thing, and no intelligence to be aware of such existence. We are the thing itself. We sense that, we feel that, we know that. The recognition he's talking about. It is evident that without self-awareness, there is not only no realization of life, but no life to be realized. Final paragraph, hence, again, you must affirm that mind in action is its own law of fulfillment. When you understand this, you will, not, you will not become discouraged. You will know that if you persist in declaring the truth, the pathway to reality, which is the kingdom of heaven, will be cleared. Obstructions will be removed. Wrong conditions will be resolved. Seek ye first the kingdom. He's saying in his own vocabulary and in his own insight exactly what Jesus of Nazareth said. It follows that you will be happy because you are sure. Doubts will no longer assail you. Fear does not, make, <clears throat> does not possess you. Negation will no longer obsess your thoughts and you continue to make your declarations with calm confidence and with divine assurance. Take this prayer with you. Look at these words. Look at the consciousness upon the prayer. And allow that to lift you up and guide you. My teacher used to say to me, and believe me, I have a PhD in fear. I used to walk into class trembling, and my teacher would look at me, and the first thing she'd say is, Patrick Cameron, you have nothing to fear. And I would turn beet red, because I thought, oh my God, I'm wearing it like a, a hair shirt. But if we truly know and understand who we are and whose we are, then there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. I'm going to share, uh, no, I must, don't have time today, I'm going to share a wonderful story about Job next week. Job, it's a wonderful story. I had the opportunity to play Job in a Summerstock production years ago. 
And uh, it's called, the play is called JB. <clears throat> but it's a wonderful story about faith, about everything being removed and then everything coming back. And it's a powerful story. It's a powerful story for all of us. So it's our opportunity right now to plant those seeds, to live life fully, to get off the bench and get into the game in a new and wonderful way. So I thank you, I bless you, and so it is.